Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Here are your hosts, Frank Vitovich and Greg Flamont. Welcome, everybody, to the 10th episode of Single High, the Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com. I am one of your hosts for the next hour, maybe 90 minutes. We don't know. Some people would like it to be shorter, but uh, they keep getting uh, they keep getting long. But uh, I'm one of your hosts, Frank Fatovich, and joined, as always, uh, by my co-host, Greg Flamong. Greg, what's up today, buddy? Nothing much, man. Hanging out, um, getting ready for this season to start. So I'm pretty excited. We are. It's closer. It's even we are. We're it's not quite a full week closer than when we last recorded because we recorded on like Friday of last week. But uh, dude, we're getting there. What are we at? Yeah. We're at 14, 15, like 17, 18 days. That's uh, that's not a lot of days. But uh, the time is going fast and. The information is coming in just as fast, uh, you know, coming out of fall camp. A lot has happened since uh, since we hit the stop record button on, uh, you know, on Friday. And uh, we're going to dive into a lot of that. We're probably going to go on a bunch of tangents today. Uh, we're going to we're going to keep it going. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where this takes us. Uh, I've, I've already opened a beer. Um, I forgot to <laughs> I forgot to name last week's. Last week's was another hilarious name because I'll, I'll, I'll say it now. It was called uh, Boats and Dogs, like because that's I mean who doesn't like boats and dogs? It's a right. it was a great uh, great selection. I think that one was like twelve percent. This one also a great name, not as strong, but the name of this one is called Super Duper Friends because we're we're hanging out with our super. Super duper podcast friends right now, uh, and we're going to be talking Notre Dame football with you all. So uh, we're excited. I'm not quite at 95 Nebraska yet. I'm at like, ooh, I don't know. I'm going to start. We're starting today like 95 Notre Dame, like that kind of team. That's that's where we're starting today's podcast because that was a that was a solid team. You know, could have been better, but uh, still a solid team. But uh, we'll see where the episode uh, where the episode takes us. Uh, so let's see, starting off, I mean, biggest news since, um, since our last pod last week, we got a starting quarterback, Greg. We got a quarterback QB one. We do. Are you were, Big surprised? Who was it? Exactly. Nobody, nobody was surprised except the fake Twitter outrage of people, <laughs> um, who were trying to say that, uh, you know, Kelly just handed it to Cone and I, don't know, I saw some of the ridiculous comments, uh, you know, who were saying things like, uh, you know, Pine didn't get a, uh, you know, a great shot or a fair shot or whatever, you know, whatever Twitter says. I think people um, wanted Buckner, to be honest. Yeah. I, mean, I think people wanted it to be the freshman. I mean, I think after the spring game, maybe that was, you know, I mean, he had a couple of those, uh, he had a couple beauties, you know, in the, you know, in the spring game. But I do also think that, the you know Buckner was never a realistic op, uh, option. Um, not from the fact that he's not talented, not that he won't be a great quarterback for Notre Dame, but yeah. when you take a a graduate transfer from uh, you know from a school like Wisconsin, again you're not uh, you're not doing that if you think your true freshman is going to be you know is going to be ready you know week one uh, you know of uh, you know of their of their careers. And who knows, maybe, you know, maybe if Buckner didn't get that, uh, that second injury 
in high school and lose all that time, maybe he is. Maybe he, you know, he was, he would have been a more of an option. But uh, I mean, as soon as that happened, I think that's that that that's when you know people's expectations should have probably you know died down a little bit for him. But um, I don't know. I did see some people complaining that uh, you know that Pine didn't get a fair shake. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think like. I think that a lot of people have, they're very narrative based in the way they evaluate these things, right? So if you don't follow it year round like we do, you just think, okay, there's a grad transfer from, you know, Wisconsin and, and that's like not exciting, but there's the the true freshman guy and the narrative is that Notre Dame is being held back by the quarterback. So you have to kind of, for them, it's, you have to get rid of, all the like boring things and you need the exciting thing because upside is all that matters, right? It's the same kind of logic that leads people to say, we, we want to get rid of Ian book because Phil Dracovic is behind him. And so you got to take your shot with him and, you know, the season kind of be damned, right? Like it's not, it's like, Oh, people, people think they're okay with like, losing games if it means developing somebody but they're not and so it's like that's what they want like how many times have we heard like in in the preseason or in the off season how many times did we hear you know let's just this is a transition year let's just go like eight and four so that we could like win in 2022 and it's like no they're not going to do that like they're going to try to win every year so it's just like that. That's where you get it from. It's just like everything is just kind of based on a like a like a inch deep narrative of the way people think about the program. Speaking of uh, speaking of narratives, Greg, there's one making its round on Twitter, um, and it's uh, I've saw a number of people chiming in on it, kind of agreeing with it, and I I kind of feel like you might have some thoughts on it. Um, it's the narrative that Ian Book severely limited the Notre Dame offense, and that uh, you know that Notre Dame or that that that, that Book uh, you know held us back so much that Cone is going to be such an improvement that uh, you know it's going to open this offense up you know drastically. And it, this is like a real thing people are talking about. Um, and I know your thoughts, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> I'm going to give you like five more seconds to collect your thoughts and just let you let you go. So are you are you ready? I'm ready. Go for it. It's I just you. don't. I, I, look, I, the the the, the fact I just can't, I cannot believe how far it has gone with this, like people like openly like expressing disdain for this guy who who won 30 games for Notre Dame. And, it, and it's and it's like. You know, Jack Cohn is is a, you know good, right? He can be good in his own right. I'm not trying to degrade Jack Cohn to pump up Ian. That's not. I don't need to do that. That's not what it's about. I just don't understand why people can't just look at a situation and be like, you know, I think that Jack Cohn can do X thing, and that is good for this particular team. Like, look, the offense is going to be opened up because of the improvement in the skill positions, right? 
Michael Mayer is a sophomore now. Chris Tyree is a freshman now. They're both going to be better players than they were last year just by the fact that they're an extra year in college. He didn't have Braden Lindsay. He didn't have Kevin Austin. And he didn't even really have Lawrence Keyes. And he has, you know, uh, uh, Avery Davis is a year older. He's a captain now. Joe Wilkins. Like, who who was it that had a transformational offseason in 2020? Like, nobody. Nobody had it, with the exception of Kyron, who is a maniac and just got in the best shape of his life during a pandemic when he wasn't around anybody. So it, it's just, like, I don't understand. Like, everyone points to, you know, oh, he, he held them back because – you know, he didn't throw deep enough. It's like, oh, he, he only threw deep 41 times, like 20 plus yards last year. Okay. So is that what was that more of a product of what the the offensive skill was, or was that Ian Book, quote unquote, not having the guts to throw deep? Is there a way to check that? Well, why don't we look at 2019 when he still didn't have Kevin Austin and he's lost Michael Young to the collarbone and then a transfer. And it, it Chris Fink was injured for the first part of the season. So like how many times did he throw deep in 2019? Oh, it was 63 attempts, not 41 attempts, which was 28th nationally. Okay. There were a lot more than 28 quarterbacks in major college football last year. What was his passing grade on 20 plus deep balls or more or on 20 plus yard throws? It was 94.7, which was right behind Justin Fields, who everyone thinks is a pretty good deep thrower. The guy... 52.4 completion percentage on deep throws. He obviously is willing to push the ball. It's just that the offense was different last year. Off last year was a different year. So like we don't it's not that it's not that thank God Ian Book is gone and that Jack Cohn is here and he's willing to do X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. They're gonna open up the offense because they have the weapons now that can lead to them saying, yeah. Like, let's take more chances. Let's get this going. Braden Lindsay's in the best shape of his life. Kevin Austin is finally healthy. Lawrence Keyes, transformational offseason. Like, yeah, now we're going to push it deep. We have Chris Tyree, who's a sophomore. Yeah, we have Michael Mayer, who's a sophomore. Yeah, of course. Look, it would it look, I'm, I'm glad that Jack Cohn is here. I think Jack Cohn is going to be a good player. I have high expectations for him. OK, but he has to play at a high level to match what Ian Book did. The level above Ian Book is championship level because that's the level that he never got to for reasons maybe that weren't even his fault, right? And maybe some that were. But we're not kicking the guy out the door. If Ian Book was the quarterback of this team with all these weapons and then you add in his own versatility, that would be very good. That would be very advantageous. And I would rather that I would rather have that, but that's not an option because now he's with the Saints, apparently doing very well. So we have Jack Cohn. You know, he has he has a high bar to meet. I think he can meet it. I think he has the weapons that will help him meet it. And that's the focus for me. I don't need to I don't need to rip Ian because Jack Cohn is willing to stand in the pocket longer. It's like, yeah, of course, because he's not going to go anywhere. He can't run. So, of course, that's what he has to be better at that. He has to. Oh, hey, you know, he's he's willing to take more chances. Yeah, he better. Because he's not going to move. the He's not going to move the he's not going to move the pocket like Ian did. 
He's not as dangerous. So, uh, you know, that's just what comes with it. So I, I you know, I, the, people, it's, it's like, I don't understand. Like everyone just, just goes after him with disdain. They talk about him like, Oh, the dinky donkey guy. Like what is wrong with you? 30 and five. It's Oh, Oh. And, and, and the thing is, is people call him a winner. I'm still going. I don't even care. Yeah. The thing is, is people call him a winner. Like as if like that's an intangible quality. Like, no, no, no. Like literally 30, like 30 wins most ever. And I, and I know it like hurt your feelings that he didn't beat Trevor Lawrence or, or Mac Jones. You know, he couldn't beat Trevor Lawrence twice. It's like, oh, well, good riddance. Come on, come on. Come on. It's, it's got it, – settle down, everybody. Like just celebrate celebrate your good player and then celebrate what Jack Cohn can do. That's the energy that I'm looking for. And I'm done. You, you're done? You're good? I'm you're, good. Uh, you're good? I'm good. Hey, you know what? I, well, I knew you were going to rant, so that was that was that was great. You you did not disappoint. Uh, it was exactly what I what I was expecting you uh, you know to uh, to 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 run with uh, you know to to run with there. I do think it's a little funny. You know, there's a guy in uh, in New Orleans right now who knows quarterbacks, and his name is Sean Payton. He's done pretty good with quarterbacks. He seems to think highly of Ian Book. Um, he doesn't seem to think like Ian Book is gonna is gonna hold back. You know, uh, you know, hold back his offense. Uh, I mean, Book's probably not going to start unless you know uh, something crazy happens. Uh, you know, with the you know with, with with the Saints, but they invested a fourth round pick on him. You you invest a fourth round pick on a quarterback you think you could develop and you think you could win. You know, you could win games with right first round, second round quarterbacks. Those are the guys that you're going to start early. Yeah, you know, sixth, seventh round guys are the ones that are, you know, training camp bodies or arms that you think are, you know, just going to be there. Maybe you, maybe they have something, you know, and, and it's not right there. But those like mid round quarterbacks, you don't like a fourth round pick is not a pick you throw out in the NFL. That's still a pretty like a a pretty solid pick. And the Saints invested that, you know, in Ian Book. To your point, nobody's won more games in a Notre Dame uniform, you know, than than Ian Book. I, I to an extent I get some of Notre Dame fans uh you know frustrations you know maybe uh you know that uh you know that we weren't the most high flying offense over the last you know 2 years but uh, I mean that wasn't Ian's fault you know totally I, I do think early in 2019 there were times and I think you even you even broke some of these down where he was bailing out of the pocket too soon and he was you know just you know, going to his legs when he should have been going to his arm and he had stuff downfield. And I think he never got past that with some fans, uh, you know, who thought, well, this is just what he does. He just runs and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't sling it downfield. And then to your point last year, he didn't have, he didn't have the weapons in 2020 that he even had in 2019. So, you know, I think, we saw a maturation of book last year, but it didn't necessarily lead to, you know, more 80 yard bombs. You know, he still had some, I mean, and he had some to players who are not necessarily deep threats. Um, you know, McKinley had long, long gains against, you know, against Clemson. Uh, Davis had the long gain against, uh, against Clemson. Skoranek had his long ones against, uh, was that Pitt, 
you know, where he, uh, right. It was Pitt. I always get the Pitt and Georgia tech games last year confused for some reason, but, uh, Skoranek had his one big, you know, big game where he was getting open downfield. So it's just a part of me does get it a little bit, but I do think it's funny that, um, you know, that people there, there is, it's, it's not, a, I don't think it's like a, a super small percentage of the fan base who legitimately thinks that like Notre Dame has significantly upgraded, you know, at, at quarterback. Um, and if I'm being honest, I do think there are things that Jack Cohn is going to do better than Ian Book did. Uh, but I mean, that's like, you could find almost any quarterback that can do like at least one thing better, right. Than your, than your previous quarterback. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, overall, I, I can't, I mean, if, if, if Jack Cohn is a significant upgrade to Ian Book, then we might be 95 Nebraska, Greg. Uh, if, yeah. If like, I, is, like, if he like, is, then I, this is a, this is a, this isn't a playoff, like, like just contender. This is a, this is a playoff you know, going to win a game type team. Right. If, like, like we're going to, we should be, we should be 12 and 0 and like ranked one or two. Like, like, and that's the point that I'm making is like a step up for me and book is championship level. Like, oh, 100%. like the thing is, it's like, we don't do this with any other, any other three star that makes good. No one ever said like, Oh man, Julian love, like he's good and everything. And he, you know, he's all American and stuff. But like he doesn't run a four three and he's not six foot. Thank God he's gone. Like we don't. No one would ever say that. No one would ever say it. Oh, Lohi Gilman. Like yeah, he's. I mean he's gritty and everything, and I respect it and all that. But like he's not like Kyle. Like thank God he's gone so we can get Kyle in the lineup. Like no, that's not how it works with any other position. But since yep. it's Ian Book and he's the quarterback, and all he did was stick around the program when he could have just left he could have left he he beat brandon wimbush brandon wimbush out in the 2018 offseason he did but they needed wimbush's legs against michigan at the beginning so they stuck with that right and he could have just left he could have pouted he could have done all those things he didn't do any of that he stuck around the program he was a good teammate and then he went out and won the most games in the history of the program and everyone just rips on him, like just just ripping him constantly. It's ridiculous. Like stop. Just appreciate for what he did. Hopefully, Jack Cohn takes the takes the next step, and that would be great for everyone. Well, you nailed it with the position. Like unless you have a, a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, a uh, or, you know, going like NFL, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell, you know, Russell Wilson, who's the most popular player on almost every team backup quarterback. Right. And it's good. And that's the thing is like, if you don't have the superstar of superstars, you know, at quarterback, uh, you know, the backup quarterback is always one of your most popular players. Uh, and, and to your point too, it is interesting that, you know, when a lower star, player at quarterback is the one that you know supersedes their you know their their ranking and you know and, and shows that you know maybe they should have been ranked higher there's always a level of skepticism with fans uh you know and it, it's it's i don't think it's just you know notre dame i think it's almost anywhere where it's like well he was a three-star and he's a quarterback and you know he's probably not uh, you know he's probably not the best and you, you just can't get past that it's the same thing to a lesser extent with our beloved mustache wearing 
offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. There, there were fans that, you know, Tommy Reese was not your prototypical Notre Dame, you know, quarterback. He wasn't 6'4 with a rocket arm. You know, he wasn't, uh, he was the three-star recruit. He didn't necessarily look the part, uh, but he won games for Notre Dame. And he was better than alternatives that were on the roster that maybe had better athletic ability or better, uh, you know, again, like better arms, but just weren't good quarterbacks. But a lot of Notre Dame fans never got past that. A lot of Notre Dame fans never wanted to give Tommy Reese credit because he's a three star and he doesn't look like, you know, he should be your starting quarterback. Um, And guess what, though? He was the best guy for the job at the time when he was on, you know, when 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 he was on the field. So I think that's a little dealt with. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that was interesting in general, just to to watch that or, or to see that unfold because it wasn't just this week. That was you know throughout the off season. There's been some chatter of you know of that. But uh, to bring it back to Cone for just, you know, a second um, and or, you know, a few minutes here and, and what he does bring to the Notre Dame offense, uh, you know, relative to, you know, what Notre Dame's other options were. I mean, I think some of it, you know, we, probably doesn't need to be restated, but we will, you know, just for the, you know, because yeah, yeah, the, the obligatory, you know, rundown of his, uh, uh, you know, of, of his criteria or of his characteristics that, you know, that, uh, you know, that make him such a slam dunk here is, you know, he's started a big, uh, a big 10 championship game. He started a Rose bowl. He's played against, you know, Ohio state caliber defenses, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, already he made a mockery of Michigan a couple of years ago. And that's always fun, right. Uh, is to see, is to, to know that your quarterback, carved up Michigan not that it's a major accomplishment these days but uh, it is fun to to uh, you know to, to look back at, uh, at those clips but I mean I think what you have is uh, is a uh, a very high floor potential high ceiling quarterback and I think it was you know it's, it's interesting hearing him uh, earlier this week maybe or maybe it was the end of last week you know somebody had I guess asked him about you know the label of being a game manager and you know his response was great because he was like, I don't take that as a negative. Like a game manager means you're you're not making mistakes. You're putting your team in a position to win, um, you know, and and that's what a quarterback is supposed to do. A quarterback is supposed to, you know, not make mistakes. He's supposed to, you know, have his team in a position, you know, to win every game. And if that's your definition of a game manager, sign me up or paraphrasing, obviously, you know what he said. But um and I think that's the that's the label he's going to have. And he's going to have that. You know, Ian Book had his label. Cohn is going to have the label of a game manager to most until he has like a big game. Right. If he comes out and, and probably against, I would say if he comes out against Florida State, tosses three, four touchdowns. Right. And has a, uh, you know, a, an opener, you know, a la a la Ron Paulus under the lights against Northwestern, you know, in his Notre Dame, you know, debut where he threw four touchdowns and Bino Cook said, hey, he's going to win two Heismans. I think he'll start to change that. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe because the, the next game is Toledo. He's not going to he could throw six touchdowns against Toledo and people are, you know, that that, that label won't change. But he's going to carry that label with him. 
until you know until he until he you know you know removes it you know with a with a big game against a uh, you know a big uh, a big time opponent. I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, it's going to be fun to 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 watch. We know he's not as mobile as Ian Book. So that is a that is a valid concern, I think, for this this offense because you know for as good as the offensive line has been over the last couple of years, Book really saved the day with his legs um, and his you know his mobility a couple of times. Sometimes again to the detriment of you know potentially bigger plays downfield because he you know he knew he could get you know he knew he can get a first down, so he took it right. instead of instead of slinging it you know forty yards. Um, and he took the safe play from time to time, but it's going to be interesting watching it. I think, uh, again, I was not surprised by the, by the news. I don't, uh, I don't think anybody should have been, um, all signs pointed to this the second he transferred and mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to see him because, you know, Wisconsin quarterbacks in general have that game manager mentality because that's what they're asked to do. They're not asked to do much more, right? And that's been Wisconsin quarterbacks for the last 20 years. So I think we'll see if uh, you know if there's a little bit more there than maybe was was fully tapped into at uh, at Wisconsin. And hey, it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing of beauty if on uh, on uh, you know at the end of September, if in those beautiful Shamrock uh, Series jerseys, if Jack. Uh, Jack Cohn leads the Irish to a big win over Wisconsin. Um, and I think that would be, that's going to be like the, the point of the season where I think the narrative of the, well, we're, we're really going to know, uh, you know, what, what we got with Cone, we're going to know what we got with this team, you know, is, uh, is, uh, is, is that game. And, uh, I don't know, there's a lot between now and then, but, uh, I'm relatively confident in, uh, in Cone's abilities. Yeah. And to the, to the game manager piece, I mean, Mac Jones was a game manager like that. Like you just have to, you just have to like he and he can be a game manager on this team yeah. because he has the weapons. Like if he was the quarterback of last year's team, I would be, I'd be pretty worried because yeah. they needed, they needed Ian's um, dynamic play. I mean, yeah. they needed that. I mean, it helped them against Clemson. It helped them against North Carolina. I mean, they, they, they needed him to be that kind of an athlete. Um, but with this team, because they have Austin's healthy and Lindsay's healthy and keys and they have all these different weapons and options, then, then it's like, yeah, just have a guy who, who knows where the ball needs to go. And that's something that, um, that's something that Tommy Reese has talked about with, um, with Jack Cohn, it's like, wait, as soon as you present him with something, he gets it. And then that's it. And whereas, um, as where Ian wanted to rep it, Cohn doesn't need to rep it. It's like, no, 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 you told me and I, and I got it. And, and that's what, that's what, um, kind of sets him apart from Ian. Right. So if Ian was just a, it was just the same kind of player as Cohn, then it would be like, okay, maybe Cone is a better option because he he picks up things so quickly. And this is a, if you're going to be a game manager, that means that you need to know where the ball should be going all the time. You can't make the wrong read. And when you, when you make the read, you need to make accurate throw. So the accuracy piece and the, the knowing where to go with the ball piece like that is, 
throwing the ball on time. Like that has to be Cone's strengths. And he has the weapons that if, if he can't, if that is a strength of his, and he is, I don't want to say elite, but if he is very strong in that area, that's where the offense takes a jump because the, uh, the skilled players can do the work for him. And Ian didn't have that luxury, especially last year. So that's where the, the upside comes from, right? But that they can't, I don't think that the types of, you know, injuries that we saw last year or unavailability from the the skill positions, if that happens again, now it's like, well, now the quarterback, he has to be a little bit more dynamic. And I don't know if Cohen has that in his, in his bag, but at this moment, there's reason to be very optimistic because he has so much around him and because he picks up things so quickly and he's and it seems to be a strength of his that he knows where the ball needs to go all the time. You said a name. You said a name, Greg, that is getting me excited this year already because it's it's happening again. It's happening again. The Kevin Austin hype is it's not slowing down. It is it's picking up steam. And I, I mean, we talked to Matt, uh, Matt Freeman from ISD last week about it. And again, it's been a few days since then. And, you know, the reports continue to be that Austin is looking, looking like Kevin Austin. You know, he's looking like the guy that we've been waiting, uh, you know, that we've been waiting for since we saw, uh, you know, since we saw that first long gainer, uh, well, 2018, right. That, that was when he, when he got in as a freshman, and he had that uh, that that long one against uh, Wake Forest. Uh, you know, we that that that's who we got. And to your point, you know, the, every single thing we're hearing about the receivers right now is just it's very positive. It's scary positive because it's making me believe. It's making me optimistic. It's making me start to dream that uh, that this team could go on a run again this year. Because uh, it's not just him. You're right. It is. It's Lindsey. And if you watch the clips Notre Dame is releasing, Lindsey is looking very different these days than he did, yeah. you know, two years ago. Uh, he looks cut up uh, in a great way. And you got him. You got uh, that entire receiver room is going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to, to watch. But we have. We've talked about the receivers, you know, probably ad nauseum, you know, at this point on the on the pod. I think every week we we end up on a receiver tangent. Um, but uh, man, it is uh, the reports. These earlier reports are uh, are hard to ignore. But uh, you know what? We got the we got our we got our second big answer of uh, you know a fall camp. You know, with with Cone first being you know where is Jared Patterson going to line up? We found that out day one. Took. Uh, it took a little bit longer, you know, to find out the, you know, the, the starter. But, man, also, side note, you think Brian Kelly is just having, like, a grand old time with all of these timelines he's throwing out that are just <laughs> not being met at all, right? First day of camp, I'm going to tell you that the captain's on Monday. We find out the captain's, you know, four, four, four days later on Friday. All right, whatever. You know, last Thursday he comes out. And I'm gonna, we're going to name a starter, you know, on, uh, on Monday. You know, and then he ends up doing it on Saturday, right? A couple days, uh, you know, or maybe no, it was it Friday. He might have even said it Friday that he was, you know, he was, he was gonna wait until, um, he was gonna wait until Monday to name the starter, and then he did it the, uh, then he did it the next day, uh, you know, you know, anyway. But um, yeah, that was our, you know, that was our second big answer 
of you know a fall camp. There's still a couple big ones I think that are that are floating out there, and and I guess maybe I'll pose this question you know to you is you know we know Patterson's the center, we know Cone is the quarterback. What's the next big domino that you think we need to find out to really know what this team, you know, or you know what what, what the what the lineup is going to look like, you know, against Florida State, you know, Tallahassee on uh, on September fifth. Hmm, that's a good question. Actually, I guess I guess what exactly is going on with Viper? Because Batelho's okay. still because Batelho's still repping the threes, I think. Now that uh, Justin Adamilola is back, yeah. Um, is that like is that like a doghouse thing or like what is that exactly? So I I, you know, he wasn't repping the threes, uh, in the spring, and now he is. So it's kind of how is that like tomorrow? Yes. Like tomorrow's open practice. So like is he still Ooh. or like what's going on there? Yeah. Um. Is the it a other one situation, because that's I don't, what Stepherson. Well, that's what happened with Stepherson, though. But when remember that was the first key. Damn, I'm losing track of my years here. Three years ago, when that was the first clue that we're like something's up. Something's up. The with difference Stepherson. with Stepherson, though, is like the coaches were so vague about him, mm, and true. speak about Botello and it looks like a different kind of way. Like it's just completely different. It's all positive almost. So. And that wasn't like it's not like that with Stefferson. It's not like that with um, with anyone. It was like he, you knew, you know. Um, so I think I think it's different. It, it's not like this isn't pertaining to any sort of rumor situation or anything. Right. I just want to know like if if he's still repping the threes, then maybe he's just going to be a, a a number three player for you know for the start of the year at least. So I just want to see. Um, the other part is like how is how is linebacker how is linebacker like gonna, actually gonna work because I mean Marist your boy Marist is just tear, tearing it up right now I mean he's he's kind of the talk of camp at the moment at least at that position so Let's talk about you know, a he, blind squirrel flying or finding the nut on that one because that was I, I mean most, that is that was I, most you, out there prediction. When you said it, I don't uh, honestly. I don't think he'll lead the team in tackles, but it kind of almost doesn't even matter because if if he's like he, he seems like he's going to be the will, and then he'll also be the rover, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like I haven't really there hasn't been a ton of buzz about Kaiser, which no. I expected to have. It's not it's not that I, I think that's a I don't think that's trouble. It's just weird how his trajectory seemed to be kind of going in the way that like Maris was, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of flipped. And it's like, where where does Shane Simon fit in this? Because, you know, Kelly's talking about Bertrand, and and it's like, I don't know where Shane Simon fits. Where does Bo Bauer fit? Um, and we know Drew White's going to play a lot. So oh, yeah. it's just, it's really, um, that's really interesting to me. And then I just wonder if we, I guess the next, like, super big piece that ha- makes, like, a all of this kind of go is like what they're doing with Kyle. And we may not even get the answer to that because like I said with Matt in the last pod, I mean, that's got to be under lock and key. I mean, he's, he's the key to the offense. whole thing. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> don't. Don't. He's not, he's not going to. We need to have don't. a bet between you and I, between the season. We need to 
We, I mean, we don't do video, but it would have to be like, I don't know, it's something on something. Uh, we, we would need to do something um, about whether or not Kyle Kyle plays offense uh, oh, this uh, this year. But I, I don't think he's going to. I know that's the running question. I just I just don't see it. I, I, I OK. All right. It has to be. You know what? Let's think about it. It'll be something. Um, it'll be something Eagles slash Lakers related. That's where it'll be. Don't even get me started because the Eagles already like I'm 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 not at like I don't know like 85 Bears for the Eagles 72 yet. no 72 Dolphins 70 ooh, dude, I'm just uh, I hate the preseason so much I just hate it it just it gets me every year every sing every damn year I get so excited about all of my teams because I'm like it's gonna happen but the Eagles do they are man did you see did you see the Jalen Rager catch that I retweeted 47 I, times I did, yesterday? I did see it I did that was that was like. You, I, even if you're even you, I take my like Homer glasses off and that thing was just I, I still don't know how he did it for how he played last year. But anyway, we, I don't want to, tan, to be get too tangential here, but uh, I like it. I like it. I like that kind of side bet. Well, um, we could you know what? Or we could do Sixers Lakers because to keep it, you know, I'm a, uh, OK, let's we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll we'll, right. we'll Figure something out. And by the way, you know what? Maris might not lead the team in tackles, but you know he's going to lead the team in violence because that guy—he <laughs> is—he's ah, just fun, man. And he, like, he's got a little bit of you know Koromoa in him in that of yeah. like yeah. he's just a freak. He's going to fly all over the field, and he might be a little bit like even even Koromoa, like his first his first time. Uh, you know, playing is I think you might have actually been the one that tweet this. And I can't believe I remember this because this was a while ago is that uh, I think it was you that tweeted it. And you were like, man, I don't know if Koromoa is going to be in the right position every time, but he's going to get there at 100 miles per hour. You, you said yeah. something like that. And I feel like Marist is a similar kind of player where he is just going to absolutely light some people up this year. And then mm-hmm. there's going to be other plays where he just guesses wrong and like, I don't know, tackles, tackles the back on a play action and it leads to a big gain because he went after the, you know, it'll be something like that as he's, yeah. as he learns a little bit, but uh, man, he's going to be, he is going to be fun. And to your point too, about the Rovers, man, it is, I don't want to say concerning yet, but it's very weird that there's none, none of the Rovers are getting talked about really. Like they talked about Moala a little bit, you know, just in that he's back, and then you got Kaiser. Nothing. You're not hearing his name a lot. You're not hearing Isaiah Pryor. So actually, maybe, maybe this is the is how much does Maris play Rover? Is that why we're not hearing so much about the Rover? Is because Maris is going to play play it more than we think? I don't know. Um, yeah. It just it seems it does seem weird that we're not hearing too much about the other Rovers. But uh, yeah, reports about Maris are uh, they're fun. I'm excited about it. I, whew. and then uh, you, uh, I mean, uh, Freeman yesterday was talking about the other backers too. And he, he mentioned, he mentioned Simon, he mentioned Bertrand. He, uh, who else did he mention? Um, he mentioned, uh, he said something about there's five guys and, you know, he rattled off, uh, he rattled off the names, but, um, you know, he, I, I think the, we're going to see a lot of what Matt was telling us last week too, of like guys all over and just playing some different positions and you keep the def- you keep the offense guessing by lining some of these guys up in different places and teaching them different um, you know different uh, different positions. But uh, other than Drew White, Drew White is the Mike. He's going to be the Mike. 
He's going to get, you know, 147 tackles. I should have picked him to lead the team. <laughs> in. He's going to do it. He's gonna, especially as soon as I saw the pictures of him in camp, I knew I was like, oh, man, that was a bad pick because he he looks he looks ready uh, to have himself a uh, a pretty good, uh, you know, final season here uh, at, uh, at Notre Dame. But uh, you know what I think? So it's for me, though, the biggest question, by the way, still the rest of the offensive line. Mm. We know no Patterson, uh, you know, is the center. We know uh, we know slash don't know that Fisher is going to start at one tackle. But to me, the rest of the offensive line is still kind of a question mark. Um, and it could go a couple of ways yet. And I think this next open practice will probably give us a clearer picture of of what the lines you know will look like but um i think to me that is now that's the biggest question for the entire team you know in terms of what uh what 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 the season's going to be is the way that the receiver position is trending and what we're hearing is very very positive so i think that was a big question right of are they healthy are they going to be you know are they going to live up to their potential they still got to show it on the field but every single indicator we have right now is that's where they're headed. So now it turns to the offensive line because to your point in the intro here, Cone is not Ian Book. Cone is Cone is not going to, you know, escape for touchdowns like Ian did against Virginia Tech in 2019 that really saved that season because that I mean if he doesn't score there who knows? You know, I mean, the 2019 season goes goes much differently, and then mm-hmm. uh, you know we're having different conversations. But um, that's not Cone's game. It's fun to talk about how he cut up Michigan with his legs because it's Michigan, and we don't like them, and we like to make fun of them. But it's that's not his game. You know, if it was his game, he probably would still be at Wisconsin because he would have. You know, he wouldn't have lost the position last year when Mertz got uh, you know stepped in. You know, during his injury. So the offensive line to me is still the question mark and it is going to be what determines again, 10 and two, 11 and one, 12 and oh, you know, what type of season we got. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to like, it's fun to talk about everything the offense can be with the weapons and stuff. But if the line doesn't give in you time, then you can't really do anything. So, exactly. um, you know, my, my hope is that, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think there's a kind of a baseline level of play that they'll reach, you know, that wouldn't be, you know, 2020 level, but like 2018, 2019 level. Yeah. Um, that's certainly possible. And I'm kind of hoping that just with the way the defense is, you know, put together and the way that they play, I mean, that's going to that's gonna test them. They're getting tested every single day by mm-hmm. what Marcus Freeman has coming. And um, that's only going to make them better, right? It, don't, it won't make them worse. I, I like that it seems that it's figured out at this point. I I I, th- I think that with fi- uh, with Fisher and Carell and Patterson and Madden and uh, Lug, you know, they have the five, and so now they just have the rest of the time to just get that chemistry down, get everything worked out, and they can go and um, just kind of build. You know, they're just going to keep building and building and building, and. You know, we'll, we'll see, right? I, I don't think they'll. I think I think the Florida State game is the worst version of what it'll be, and then which is um, fine, right? That is expected. You know, it's not. I mean, it might like it'll be like that for the whole team. You know, yeah. So that game, it, that game is going to be Louisville 2019 all over again. 
We said it on the pod with Ashton a couple weeks ago, but uh, I, I, it's going to be. I don't – I'm not – if that is anything better than the Louisville 2019 game, look out for that following pod because I'm going to be mm. – I'm going to be – I'm not even going to need – a triple IPA to get to get as confident as uh, you know as I normally do here because that there, there there's so many moving parts this offseason that that game is going to be sloppy. It's going to be sloppy for us, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna try my best. I promise uh, you know, all of you uh, on Twitter that I won't go nuts uh, like I tend to do some from time to time and over and overreact. But uh, I think that game is going to be sloppy, and I think you look at September in general though. And you got Florida State, Toledo, and Purdue before you have that game against Wisconsin. So whatever line we trot out there is going to have three games against like teams that aren't going to be great defensively, and you go from there. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think it it may not be as sloppy as we think, just because like there's so much they've had so much more prep this year. Um, they have so much more available to them that I, I don't know how much watching film of the 2020 team is going to benefit Florida State. True. I think they're going to be doing so many more things with formations. I think they're going to be do, doing so many more things with motions, um, different personnel groups. I just – the confusion alone will – will cause Florida State to not be able to just go after um, Notre Dame the way that they would, maybe if they had, you know, more tape or a better idea of the offense they're going to run. So, yeah, I I just – and the same thing for the defense, right? Like, you say you know, you know, oh, I watched Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati, and I've said it on other pods, but it's just totally different when you have Notre Dame's personnel – and then you have a guy like Kyle Hamilton who you just don't yeah. know where he's going to be and you don't know how they're going to use him. What Freeman so. what Freeman did anywhere else is completely is is almost irrelevant to what he's going to do at Notre Dame and he's said it that he has not had access to what he has access to from an athlete standpoint, you know, at Notre Dame at any of his other stops and it's not a knock on those places, you know, that's just the state of those programs. And he has said it, um, that, uh, you know, that that was part of the allure of Notre Dame. And I mean, I think he has shown enough creativity at his other stops for everybody to expect to see some things that they haven't seen out of Marcus Freeman defenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, not now that he does have Hamilton and he does have Leofau and he does have guys like, uh, you know, Jason Adamiola and uh, who am I missing? Uh, and Foskey, who we know we've talked a little bit about, still needs to live up to the expectations. But um, he's got some he's got some athletes he hasn't had before. Uh, and he's got depth that he hasn't had before so that he can do some uh, some creative things, uh, you know, at Notre Dame. And I think that's, you know, we're seeing some of that in the early practice reports of a lot of guys you know, rotating in and, uh, you know, and, and playing different positions, going back to the linebacker and, and seeing, you know, again, what uh, what Matt told us last week that, you know, he used the word positionless when it came to the Notre Dame linebackers. And, uh, you know, Freeman didn't necessarily have, you know, all of this uh, flexibility at some of his uh, at some of his previous stops. But, 
I'm trying to think other things too that we haven't touched on that we should, uh, you know, in terms of questions, uh, you know, re- re- you know, with this season. I don't know if that's a question so much as uh, uh, maybe an answer. Is dude, we talked a little bit about him last week, but how about Logan Diggs and his his latest appearance in a practice clip? It was 30 seconds. But man, he he everything we talked about with Matt last week on the pod about Diggs looking like a faster theoretic. It was like the next day Notre Dame released that practice clip and it was like, oh, yeah, that, that's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a different number. But, uh, you know, that number 22 is just knifing through a defense and he just he looks smooth and it's I it's going to be hard to keep him off the field at this point. I just I know the running back room is deep, but I don't know how you don't uh, get that out there. I think he'll get run uh, for sure. I mean, he'll get run. I I think that, you know, there's there's just going to be so much of Williams and Tyree. It's it's like the meaningful carries are just going to be kind of hard to come by. Just I mean, and they always use three. Um, you know, and and eventually he'll hit the wall like all the freshmen do. Um, and he wasn't an early enrollee, so um, the good news is that it looks like he's he's a hit. You know, it looks like he's a he's a guy that they're going to be able to count on for the next three or four years, which is what you want. Right. Yep. Um, like you take a three star and you're not really sure. You don't really know how it's going to go. And then he comes in and he's performing like a top 100 player. And yep. And so it's like, OK, box checked. Right. And, and I think it's just one of those things where you just have to like kind of shift the way you think about the room, period. So that's good, right? And oh. apparently he and Estime have have um have really good hands too. So obviously that fits with what Notre Dame is doing and it makes it so um you know that neither one has to be taken out for any sort of, you know, kind of package or anything. They can be used in the passing game just as easily. Um but yeah, man, like I, I you know, I, I think they're there's some they're slow playing um they're slow playing Williams and Tyree a bit where it's like, they're not getting that much work in practice. They're just going to be so, so integral for what Notre Dame is doing. Um, especially Tyree. He's just, he's just one of those pieces where it's almost like one too many weapons. You know, I was, I was thinking about, I think about this, this, um, this 21 personnel, you know, the two backs and the one tight end. And, I just, it gets to be so difficult. You know, we think about how teams are going to, to, you know, we assume that they're going to try to take away Michael Mayer, right? They're going to bracket him and they're going to put a safety over top of him and everything. But if Notre Dame puts out a lineup of Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay, Mayer, Williams, and Tyree, it's just, it makes it so difficult to defend and it makes it so difficult to say, okay, we're going to put someone over top of mayor at all times and someone underneath because you have Lindsay to worry about as a deep threat and you have Austin to worry about as a deep threat and a mid threat. And obviously you're, you're dealing with mayor the whole time and they can still run with power. They can still run with Kyron and Tyree and you can get Tyree out of the backfield and, and, and Tyree is that one weapon where it's like, ah, it's just, it's one too many. Like it's one too many for us to have yep. to really focus on because let's say it was like not Tyree, right? Let's say it's Sibo. Like 
you, I don't want to say you can ignore SIBO, but he doesn't make you afraid. He doesn't give you pause. He doesn't cause pause in what you're doing. Um, and that's the same thing with like someone like Jafar Armstrong, right? There are guys out there doing things. Well, Tyree is a guy that you could just give the ball 20 times to, and it's every 20 is every one of those 20 is just like, you're feeling very nervous. And so I, that's the thing is like that 21 spot with that, with that uh, quintet of players, just, I, I just think is so dangerous. And Tyree is the one who makes it. So just cause it's, ah, there's just one guy. Like, I don't, I don't like that he's out here and I really don't have a good plan for him. We almost have to hope that Notre Dame just kind of forgets. Because with, with if they don't, then it's just you don't have a good option. Good point. And you know, though, you know, you mentioned Jafar. You know, you know who did have a hell of a time with Jafar Armstrong is Michigan, 2018. <laughs> they had a hard time finding that boy that day. He uh, he he had himself a nice little game. Um, so uh, you know, but uh, you know, I think you made a very good point of Chris Tyree. It's shocking. I said this to you, you know, as we were communicating. Uh, you know, but what we wanted to talk about uh, today is it's weird that we're not talking about Tyree because any other time, like in recent Notre Dame football history, you got a guy who had a freshman year like Chris Tyree and we, you know, fans are going bananas, right, about that. And they're going, you know, they're they're making crazy, ridiculous predictions for, you know, for for a back like Chris Tyree in his second year. Uh, but the, it's it's almost like he's under the radar, which is shocking to me because he, he you were talking about a guy who had you know averaged six point eight and had you know some uh, some pretty nice you know pretty nice runs you know along uh, you know along the way. You're talking about a guy who had a 45 yard touchdown against Florida State, a 94 yard touchdown against uh, uh, you know against uh, Syracuse, and that was as a true freshman, and he—he's a guy that, to your point, can be like one of those X factors this year. Of, and I think you know what you really—I think you—I mean, you nailed it there in terms of like him just being like too much. It's like I can't cover all of this, so you got to hope. Uh, you know, it's almost like yeah, I'm not gonna say we're gonna be in Alabama offense i'm not quite there mm-hmm. i probably need another one of these 10 percent triple ipas to get there so maybe later tonight on twitter i'll be there but uh, not right now um uh, but uh, it, alabama is that was that kind of offense where they had so many receivers that you're like well yeah, pick my poison i'm gonna i can't you know i can't uh, i can't focus on you know five i gotta i gotta focus on options one through three because they got these crazy receivers yeah, I mean that's the you know that's what we've been kind of talking about is the that's just the versatility of the weapons. So. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, you know what, Greg, we may just do it. We may have a podcast less than an hour long because oh I know, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like we could keep talking, but uh, to our loyal listeners, you know, we have these things called uh called lives that have uh, sadly get in the way of this and unless somebody's listening who wants to pay us to do this full time <laughs> um there are other there are other responsibilities in life that uh that that supersede 
our pods, even though we are hanging out with our super duper friends, as I mentioned in the beginning, based on my uh, my Captain Lawrence IPA here. Um, and speaking of our loyal listeners and our super duper friends, we got a couple we got a couple new reviews. One of which we know is from uh, somebody we know well. It's a slight uh, slight troll ish type uh, type review but you know what it's a five star so we got to read it that's the rules i didn't make them but actually i did make them but still we're still gonna read it so the subway do the subway domer uh gave us a five star he says serious question love the pod love the energy but do these really need to be over an hour i'd wager you can make these like 20 minutes long uh slash joshua so thank you, Josh, aka Subway Domer, uh, aka owner of uh, you know of of One Foot Down. Guess what, Josh? If you're listening, I think after I edit out all of my internet nonsense, that uh, this is going to be under an hour. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. We are here for the fans. We're here for the people. And speaking of being here for our fans, we got another review, Greg. I sent it to you already. It's my favorite review that we have gotten. Um, in our 10 episodes of, uh, you know, of this podcast. And this comes from Irish Lady 05. The review is, great pod. I'm listening so I could hang with my husband while talking about the team. So far, he's very impressed. Thanks, and go Irish. And you know what? No, thank you, Irish Lady 05. We are here for you. We are here for all of you who are listening to us. Uh, that pa or that review I know made my day. I sent it to Greg. I think it might have made his day. Although I don't know, maybe his kids coming in and interrupting uh, interrupting part of this recording to ask him taking him to the pool <laughs> might, have, might have made his day. But uh, that is a great review. Um, and I don't know how we I don't know how you top that review. Do you, Greg? How do how does somebody top that for us? I don't know, but I'm a little bit worried because what if her husband is like an Ian book hater and they just get in a big argument after listening to the pod. And, and she comes at him with like the stats from 2019. Um, Ooh. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't know. It's that not just gonna, occurred to me right now. It's not going to happen. I hope not. I hope, <laughs> They're going to get in a big fight. I hope not. I mean, cause look at us. I was like, we're bringing the people together. You know, this is, this is, this is what we're doing this for. Um, but, uh, Hey, you know what? We checked some boxes today, Greg. It's 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 uh, it's under an hour. You know, we talked about the team. We covered all of our bases. Um, I had, again, my my normal, very strong beer. I had a good time. I hope you had a good time. I hope all our listeners had a good time. I don't know if I reached 95 Nebraska status, though, today. That's the only you know what we needed another. We needed another 20 to 30 minutes for me to get yeah. there. But you know what? There's always next pod. That's right. So. All right, everybody. Um, as always. Thank you for listening. Keep those reviews pouring in. As you can tell, they keep us going. We love them. We, uh, we're we're going to keep reading them, keep the ratings coming in, keep listening. We see we see the number of downloads and listens and, uh, you know, increasing uh, week to week. So we're going to keep doing this. Uh, you know, by next week, there'll be more answers. There's going to be more data for us to go through of, uh, you know, of, uh, of our beloved Irish. And we're going to be one week closer to real football. And real analysis of uh, of the 2021 uh, Notre Dame football season. So with that, I think we're going to cut this one uh, cut this one a little short this week. But uh, you know, as always, like I said, thanks for listening and go Irish. <laughs>